Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. Welcome back to Microfamous Conversations. Daryl Evans is my guest today. I am super excited for you to hear this conversation when I was going back over it and kind of making my notes for the intro. Uh, typically, I try to come up with like three bullet points uh, to point out, and I've got like eight. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, because Daryl is both an agency owner, he's also coached about a thousand companies through his processes, and uh, he's also a podcast, uh, podcast host, a fellow podcaster. I was fortunate to be a guest on his show, the MindShift Podcast. And so we are very much in the same space. And Daryl has some really interesting things that he's tried over the years, a very similar background, which I'll get into in a second. But there are so many things that we covered that if you are an emerging thought leader, and you have the ability to help entrepreneurs grow their business in whatever way you do, um, this conversation is going to open your eyes to a whole bunch of things, including different um, pitfalls to watch out for, different ways to monetize your expertise that you may not have thought of, and some really cool and interesting solutions. So first of all, Daryl is the co-founder and chief marketing officer for Yokel Local Internet Marketing. He's the host of the MindShift podcast. He's a business growth advisor and, um, and just an all-around awesome guy. One of the most fun uh, conversations I've had in a while. And so uh, you'll, you'll find throughout the conversation that he uses a lot of metaphors and analogies, which some of them are freaking awesome. Uh, you will love them and probably... It will stick with you long after the, uh, the, the podcast episode is done. But I want you to pay attention to how he communicates with metaphors because, and analogies because it's such a great way to explain things to clients that may not understand the technical aspects of, of what it is that you do for them, right? We can't expect our clients to be an expert in what we do. So it's up to us to communicate what we do in such a way that they can understand it. And so pay very close attention to how Daryl uses metaphors and analogies to do that. Uh, he also shares a really, really powerful question that a coach years ago asked him that completely changed his perspective on the promise he was making to clients. And we talk about just how do you get results for clients? You know, how do you operate in a space where, you know, like digital marketing and there's a bunch of other spaces that are like this, where there's so many variables, there's so many things that can stop the client from getting the results that you promise. And, and, you know, external things, uh, client, you know, things within the client's company changes, shifts and priorities, all those things. So how do you price and structure your service? And how do you use something small, like a change order to keep client expectations in line with reality and to deal with shifting priorities? Because the bottom line is that happens. I've had it happen to me in my agency where just the priorities of the client shifted along the way. And something really simple and small, like a change order can help completely change the quality of the relationship and make sure that that, that relationship is strong moving forward. 
Then we get into the really fun stuff, which is how do you partner with clients in joint venture deals, rev share agreements, consulting deals, and different things like that to make more off of your marketing and sales skills than just charging a, a fee or a monthly retainer, right? How do you structure those types of deals so the incentives are lined up correctly and set up for long success, uh, long-term success? And how do you structure in things like sunset provisions so uh, the client doesn't feel like you're still reaching into their pocket and taking revenue out five years from now for work that was done, you know, in the past and just all, all that, all those really interesting uh, little nitty gritty nuts and bolts things. There's some really key, very, very powerful things that Daryl shared that he just kind of reeled off that I had to back him up <laughs> and go over again. Just some really key three or four things to look out for, uh, qualities of the person you're looking at partnering with to make sure that that joint venture or rev share agreement actually has a shot at succeeding and just really, really powerful stuff. So I think you'll really love the conversation. It doesn't matter whether you're in the agency world or not, because Daryl is kind of at the intersection of coaching, consulting, and agency ownership. And so a lot of the folks that are, that are in my list, that are connected to me on social media, that are listening to this podcast, what you have is you have the ability to help entrepreneurs grow their business. I would call that a sales and marketing and maybe an operations skill set. You might be good at all three of them, which is great. The question is, how do you get the most money, the most profit, the most revenue, and the most quality of life out of those skills. And this is going to open your eyes to some different interesting options and how to look out for and spot those opportunities and maximize them when they come your way. So without further ado, let's bring in Daryl Evans. Daryl, welcome to the show officially. Hey man, I can't wait, man. This has been a, it has been fun waiting for, for being on your show and uh, we've always had great conversations. So I'm looking forward to this one. I know we've got some fun stuff to dig into. I was a guest on your show so people can check that out. By the way, what's the best way for people to go and grab the show? So let's say the, the best way is to go to the mindshiftpodcast.com. And uh, so my, my podcast website is a hundred percent podcast focused. So you'll be able to either search for, for Matt Johnson um, I can't think of the podcast episode number right off the top of my head. So I'd hate to say it now, but, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be visible there. I'll send you the link so you can link it up in the show notes here. Perfect. Yeah, that'll be awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. So, um, so let's get into it when we're going to talk about getting into, um, joint ventures, rev share agreements, and really just interesting different ways to kind of capitalize on a marketing skill set. So the skill set of growing a business, um, before we get to that, just give people a, a little bit of an overview not of, not of the entire background of how you got to where you're at now, but what are you doing now? And just what, have, what, what other things have you done in the past to kind of monetize that marketing skill set that you built, like bullet point version? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you. So yeah, today, uh, one of my primary roles uh, throughout the, the daily weeks and, and months is uh, I co-own a digital marketing agency. Uh, we're a HubSpot partner. And, and our real focus there is to, to help small and mid-sized companies uh, essentially scale revenue through uh, you know, online traffic and lead generation. So uh, what's different perhaps about what we do there is we are really, we own the entire funnel for a business, meaning we own the entire customer journey. And what's different about that is there's some people that do and specialize in SEO or they specialize in paid traffic or social traffic or uh, blogging. Well, we kind of take a, a partnership role with our clients where we say, hey, we'll come in and be the strategist to decide what should be done. But then we'll also bring our team to the table with all the team and talent of expertise that it's required to get it done. But we'll take it from who your buyer is, how they proceed through their online journey, through the traffic, through the legion, through the conversion, the email nurturing. 
and also what we call enhancement of lifetime value because most people spend all their time and energy getting the customer and then they don't understand the value of a customer in the lifetime side of it, right? Dan Kennedy and Jay Abraham would be so disappointed in us. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's so funny though, because they, they bark about the cost per click of a Facebook ad or a Google ad as if that is, you know, there's a cost to acquire a customer. The, mm-hmm. the faster you can, the, the, the better you understand how much it's actually going to cost to acquire the customer. But most people make the mistake of just saying, well, it cost me this much to acquire and I only made this much. Well, how many times will you make, you know, how much more money right. will you make? Like the basic uh, growth model is uh, in a way to increase your business is to either add more customers, increase how much they pay and increase the frequency <laughs> by which they buy. Mm-hmm. And there are certain industries where frequency isn't important, right? Or it's not, you know, you don't buy LASIK every two years. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank God. You, know, you don't, yeah. you don't wreck, you shouldn't wreck your car every two years. So you need a personal yeah. injury attorney every two years. That's not a good <laughs> consumer model. Uh, but for <laughs> But, it, but if I'm that's a restaurant, a, that's a really odd example. I love it, but that's a hilarious, hilarious listen, example. I'm a, Although I will say, I mean, Hey, if you have a habit of slipping and falling in a new <laughs> McDonald's every two years, you can make a career out of that. So it's funny that you said that, right? It, <laughs> it's funny because I think of, I make a, a lot of analogies because I, a lot of our clients don't really get the technical aspect of how we do things. They hear mm-hmm. the buzzwords, SEO, PPC, optimization, CRO. They hear all the words because they spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos and Googling stuff and reading blogs. Mm-hmm. But I like to keep things very simple. Uh, you know, I played sports, so I use a lot of sports analogies. Uh, but the, the reality of, of trying to make sure that a business understands what we do, the goal is to acquire a customer for a price. It's not even the cheapest price. Mm-hmm. It's what does it cost us to acquire? What do we earn? What is the, the immediate value of what we earn? What is the lifetime potential? Because that's what gets left out of the equation. Because if you understand that the lifetime value of your customer is probably in most businesses that we work with four to seven X, the initial Mm. value, you know, if I go to a restaurant and I enjoy the restaurant, how often am I I likely to go back? Yeah. All right. But they might've spent $200 to get me to walk in the door the first time. And my first meal was 50 bucks. So they like, ah, it cost me too much money to get the customer. No, because I might come back 200 times over the next five years. And I might tell all my friends if I enjoyed the experience, which means there's an exponential uh, effect to that. So we really focus yeah. on lifetime value, um, you know, and, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's fun. It's fun. So, so owning, so owning the customer journey and then really focusing on enhancing the lifetime value of the customer. So that's the focus of yep. the, of the agency when you work with clients. And yep. then, um, so over the course of that, you build a crap load of, of, you know, legitimate marketing skills, lead gen skills, stuff like that. Um, besides owning the agency, what else have you done? to kind of monetize that skill set. Yeah. So I started originally as a consultant coming out of another company that I own, which is where I kind of crafted my digital skills. I started online in 2003 Mm -hmm. and I owned a mortgage company in that era between 2003 and 2010. So that's where a lot of my execution skills were built. I used to compete with companies like Quicken Home Loans. If, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you'll know them, you'll know them today as Rocket Mortgage, but they were one of the early companies I used to have to compete with in the mortgage space. So I developed my chops there. But uh, started consulting around 2009 as I realized I wanted to exit the mortgage industry and enter this digital space. Um, but uh, a number of ways that, uh, you know, the biggest way that we monetize outside of agency is really in partnerships or in what we call joint ventures, rev share agreements. Uh, you know, we are approached a lot of times by companies that have great products, they have a great history, but they are so not, uh, native 
they're not native, sorry, they're not native to digital marketing. They've grown up their mm -hmm. business with offline, traditional, belly-to-belly, -belly, radio, TV, billboards, face-to-face -face sales teams, B2B sales teams flying all around the country. And so when it, may, when it comes to make this digital shift, they're nervous and it's, yeah. it's, it's okay, we get it. They don't know what they don't know. And so they oftentimes set weird expectations. And so then they get in relationships where things don't go well, they've spent a bunch of money. And so what we decided to do was craft an invitation and an offer that said simply this, we'll, run, we'll get paid when we produce the results, right? Mm. Now, it's, it's interesting when we say that because we can't say that to everyone because it has to be the right company with the right structure, with the right product or service offering. There has to be some history behind the company. And what we're looking for is just their, their, they haven't yet cracked the code, if you will. I hate to even use that phrase. They haven't figured it out online. And what we find, Matt, is that they have perfected how to talk to the customer face-to-face, -face, mm -hmm. but what they have failed to figure out is how to acquire a customer when you can't talk to them. Right. But the rest of That's, the sales, the messaging, the positioning of the company, the product, the message, the fit to their, their people is there and proven out by how well yeah. they sell in person, you know, traditionally and stuff like that. So then, yeah, yeah it's just, they, they just haven't made the jump. They haven't cracked the code on the online portion yet, which that, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting going back to your mortgage days. You probably remember when the, when the guaranteed sale strategy in real estate became a thing where realtors yes. started to guarantee that they would sell your yep. home. Well, that's yep. the same way. Like if you really, if you dig into the mechanics of how that offer was constructed, why it was constructed and how agents were told to use it properly, it was, Hey, when you sign this agreement that we're going to price your home at what I recommend and you agree to my marketing plan, I will guarantee the results. It wasn't, right. it wasn't just a willy nilly guarantee to anyone and everyone based on your own mm -hmm. performance. It was, it was a specific set of criteria. I think yep. that makes total sense that you only yep. extend that kind of offer to the people that have you, they fit your criteria. Yeah. And I think there, you, you bring up such a great point, right? And it was, it, some of them even went so far as to guaranteeing the sale or they would buy the mm -hmm. home. They would buy it. Yep. They would buy the home. And so to, to your point, that's actually what makes me that made me look into this model because number one, for every year I was in the mortgage and real estate lending industry for about 17 years combined before I decided to pivot out. And I never got paid until I produced a result. Right. And so there's a mentor of mine who his name is Dean Jackson. And I, I learned from him and started being coached under his program back in 2001, 2002, 2003 in the mortgage lending industry, real estate industry. And he said something that has always stuck with me. And that is what would you do if you only got paid when the client got a result, yeah. not what will I do once they pay me my fee? Mm -hmm. It's what would you do if you only got paid when the client got a result? And so that became the mantra. And in the mortgage and real estate industry, no one gets a check until the client gets a result. Yeah. So when I brought it to the agency world, when I think about the digital marketing world, while the variables are, there's a lot of variables that can stop us getting a result in digital, Google, mm -hmm. Facebook, anything can happen any morning. I can wake up and an ad account is running perfectly fine, generating six times return on investment mm -hmm. or return on ad spend. And the account could get shut down for some Facebook glitch, which has happened. Yeah. It has happened. But the reality is, is am I and my team confident enough that we can produce a result? And if so, we are going to present a model as an option, because this is just an optional model, because when I take all the risk, 
<laughs> then you're going to pay me more. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. That, that's, that's the way, the way it works, it right? Work. Yes. <laughs> that's the way it works. You know, and so what it is, though, is if you're saying that you're not sure, but you've got a proven business model, and if it makes sense, like there are certain business types this does not work for. Uh, this works for companies, typically, that generally have a higher ticket product or service mm -hmm. that also generally has a longer sales cycle whereby we're not talking about an emergency services business. We don't mm -hmm. typically do it in that space. Um, there are variables. There are, there's a lifetime value calculation that we can be sure that is going to far outpace the initial order value or the initial sale value. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really, again, looking for businesses that have scalability. Um, mm -hmm. It's not that my team can do this for 50 companies. We can only do this for 12 to to, to 15 companies a year. Um, so we're very selective in who we work with because we're not just, we're not just service providers anymore. Now we're strategic partners. We're bringing the right talent. We're bringing the right strategy. We're bringing the right troubleshooting. Uh, we're fixing things that otherwise we weren't paid to fix because we're both in it together. We've got, I like to call it the skin in the game relationship, which means you're in the game with what you do best. We've got skin in the game. And in order for that to work, it has to be the right variables on both sides. There has to be a high level of trust and a high level of execution. And uh, believe it or not, Matt, the majority of the time we can't enter a relationship like this, it's because we've mystery shopped their company as a consumer and we found it unacceptable. Mm. You see, so I can drive, <laughs> my, me and my team can drive all the website traffic, all the visitors to the site. We can start driving sales leads. We can start driving appointments. And if it's e-commerce, we can drive the actual first sale. But if we go through the, I, I mystery, I spent some time in the, in the restaurant industry and there was a thing that they did back then. They would mystery shop our restaurants, which was they would pay the company. They would pay customers to come in and they would grade us on these four major categories. And mm -hmm. there were about five things under each. So we got like 20 scores per mystery shop. And as a general manager back then during my, my college years, we would get graded on these shopping reports. We would get two of them a month. We never knew when somebody was going to walk in our restaurant and do it. So we had to keep our, we had to always be on our toes. So what's interesting is when we mystery shop businesses as consumers, so we can get a view of how they do business. They can tell us anything they want on the phone calls and the consultation strategy sessions, but then we go prove it. And if they're not willing to change the things we experience as a customer ourselves or as a prospective customer, uh, then that's usually where we break down yeah. uh, because they think that they're doing such a great job. And then when we go through it as an un, unassuming customer mystery shopping them and we find out all of these holes, then we say, these are some things that have to change. And if we get any resistance, it's usually a, a red flag for us. Um, and it's just because we've done this now, Matt, our agency, we've worked with north of 200 companies in retainer to grow a little bit over 300 million in revenue. We've also coached about a thousand companies through processes like these because we're very transparent in how we do things and how we think. So we, we teach companies this all the time. Um, so it's really about collaboration and a strategic partnership and making sure we're, we're working with the right companies that have the right growth mindset. And that's when it works the best. Yeah, there's, there's so many nuggets there. I'll, I'll try to, I'll, maybe I'll summarize in a second, but I did have one follow-up question, which is uh, sunset provisions. So do you build anything in there to where 
you get to capture some of that lifetime value, but it's, but it's capped at a certain time period or a certain dollar limit or something like that. So the, the, the other side of that arrangement feels like they still have the potential to benefit long-term and they're not always tied into like that joint venture or rev share partnership. Yeah. So usually when we enter these, we're, we're generally discussing a one to two year initial term of engagement. We mm -hmm. also realize and understand that we shouldn't have our hand in their pocket for life. Yeah. Um, it just depends on sort of the business model. Um, but it just depends. It's kind of case by case. But the answer is if they want us there longer strategically, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. There's a law firm and the arrangement was two years. The arrangement was initially 12 months, was extended for two years. It's never going to be less than 12 months. And I'll tell you why, uh, if we need to, but it's never going to be less than 12 months. We're not doing this for 90 days. Yeah, it, yeah. That's just, we're not magicians. <laughs> we're not yeah. magicians. I can take that long <laughs> just to get one ad that works. That's right. So, but when we get to, we got to a second year renewal and then we altered part of the deal. So we had mm -hmm. two big sort of pillars in the deal. We altered and took one of the pillars out and Matt, would you believe that that is, that ended, that second pillar came out of that deal in 2017 and that person is still getting 30 leads a month from that pillar, just that pillar. Wow. And we haven't touched it in. So we're happy. We know that we're not necessarily needed. If we get the, it's like building a house, Matt. Mm -hmm. If you build a house right, short of a tornado or a hurricane or some tragic event, it won't fall because mm -hmm. the buyer's journey is not really changing in the legal industry. Right. It's what it takes to get a family law customer or a personal injury customer or a LASIK customer or a SAS. I mean, once you figure out how consumers go about the process and I, it's the boring part of the conversation. Like we harp on what does your customer think about at 11 o'clock at night when they can't sleep, that would lead them to your front door. And we spend so much time there. It's not on the ads. It's not on the copywriting. It's not on the website even. Mm -hmm. It's can we interrupt the dialogue? Can we get into the true dialogue that goes in your client's mind? And now because we've done this now for a decade, uh, as far as working with different clients, different industries, different buyer's journeys, I got them all figured out from an emergency service provider to someone who sells a $200,000 contract. I've got everything from that to 200,000. I mean, from a $200,000 contract, heck, I've got one client that we will, we don't actually work on this side of the business, but their biggest contracts could be a million to $2 million. And they have clients like LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Now we don't work on that side of it, mm -hmm. but all the way down to a restaurant campaign that we run, we don't do this type of joint venture with a restaurant, but we do traditional marketing for them. Uh, so it works once you understand the buyer's journey and it's the boring yeah. conversation because everybody wants to talk about the sexy stuff like Google ads and Facebook ads and YouTube and you know, it's, those are just channels at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just how you say it. It's not what's being said. Yeah. Yeah. Get inside their head and it's over. Yeah. I know there's four, there's four things that my ideal customers go through. And they don't give they don't give a doggone about SEO. They just don't. They don't ever wake up in the middle of the night, Matt, at twelve midnight, because they're restless and say, "Boy, I got to talk to an SEO firm in the morning." <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk about an SEO firm in the morning. You're right about that. That's not what um, they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one final question on that, and then we'll start to wrap up. Sure. So uh, scope creep. So one of the things I noticed in being because because I did a very similar journey to you as I started out in the consulting 
space, I had rev share or even uh, minority partnerships uh, in, in a couple of cases. Um, and I was doing the marketing work and you do the strategy and stuff like that. And uh, the problem that I found was scope creep, right? So you end up being, even though you're, you're a minority partner and you're the marketing guy, you end up getting pulled into all the other stuff. You end up having to over, like if you're good at operations, like I am, you end up getting pulled into overseeing operations. Then you're doing this. And the next thing you know, you're essentially doing a bunch of free work and, uh, and, and the percentages don't work out. So how do you prevent that sort of situation from happening? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a great question. Great problem. Uh, I wasn't from the construction industry, but that was the first time I heard it was when one of my former, sorry, one of my business advisors mentioned the phrase scope creep. Um, Matt, I think it's an it's an evolving and continuing challenge. Uh, I think it really comes down to clear definitions at the beginning and introducing the concept of a change order, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, just today while we're recording this in about an hour, uh, one of my, my business partner is having a call with one of our clients because about six months into this agreement that we've been working on, they have seemed to have changed their priorities. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we have a reset call and we say, Hey, let's discuss what you've been kind of angling us towards and what we're hearing against what we were originally planning to do. And let's just have a reset meeting. And what we do, Matt, is we record the meeting. And instead of rewriting contracts, we just record the meeting and the meeting today is going to be had. And it's like, here's what you're asking us to do today. Here's what we actually said we were going to be doing. It is okay if your priorities have changed, but let's just reset. Mm -hmm. And that could be either a, we're going to stop doing what we said we were going to do in lieu of what you need us to do. That means we're just sort of changing the scope mm -hmm. or you need us to do this and this, which means there needs to be an additional investment. Mm -hmm. But either way, I guess, Matt, the best way is there's no way on paper to really define the deliverables when you're doing um, results-based work because the, yeah, the, the it's deliverables, tough, it? it's the, the outputs don't necessarily equal the outcomes. Right. See? So you can write down all the outputs you think are necessary and all of those outputs, 12 blog posts this month, 22 Twitter feed, Twitter, Twitter posts, we're going to run four Facebook campaigns, two Google campaigns, and I can put that in a proposal all day. Mm -hmm. But just because I put it there doesn't mean the outcome that we want is going to happen based on that cadence. It's like right. sports, right? You and I played yep. sports. It's like sports. You know, the it's very generous that you think I played sports. I appreciate that, by the way. <laughs> oh, you didn't play? Oh, yeah. I thought we, I'm a I huge sports fan. I'm terrible. I'm so oh, bad. I couldn't, I couldn't crack the second string of my flag football team. So, so anyway, a good coach comes into a game plan. Uh, we'll just take NFL since it's about NFL season. Good yep. coach comes into the game plan with their 22 best players. They put them on the field and then the kickoff starts. And guess what? Nothing they plan for is necessarily <laughs> going to play out exactly the way they thought they've been running practice. Yeah. They've been running, you know, they've been running, uh, you know, NFL camp. I'm watching the Rams on, on, uh, on, uh, hard knocks right now. Hmm. And, they just planned to get to the first kickoff. And after the kickoff, you have to make adjustments. That's what we yeah. do in digital. We make the best plans. We bring the right talented people. We bring the right skills. And then once we start the game, we have to make a game time adjustments. And to your yeah. point of scope creep, it's about making sure the client understands, here's what we intend to do, but here's the data that will tell us how we're going to play. Just like in a sporting event. Mm -hmm. if, if, if the Rams start a game, and I'm not just promoting the Rams here, but that's my favorite team. Um, <laughs> and they get scored on three times in a row, 
they've got to make some adjustments. Yeah. Right. This is the way it goes. Yeah. And so that's what digital is. And so scope creep is just how we handle it. It's uh, we also try to make sure we handle that with the, with the right mentality mindset of entrepreneur. And we discuss the problems like we, you and I talked offline about airplane flights and how airplane flights always have turbulence. If you've ever sat in the seat of an airplane, you know what turbulence is. It isn't that the pilot or the crew guaranteed there'd be no turbulence when you got on the plane. Their job and their commission and their, what they're crafty at is to get you there safe, mm. right? They'd like to get you there on time, but their yeah. main priority is to get you there safe. Misun don't misunderstand. On time is a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes an unpredictable one, but yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's a, such a good analogy too. I love that. Yeah. And so um, when we do digital, our job is to help them get to the result. And it just may mean there could be turbulence, but we're, our job is to stay flying the plane properly. And if that means, look, if they want to get in mid flight and try to change airplanes, that's, that's, you know, metaphorically that's tough to do <laughs> that's right i believe that was a kurt russell movie that was uh, it's a difficult maneuver even even steven skull died in the opening of that movie trying I remember to switch planes that. I remember those two. Yep. So, yeah it's a cautionary tale um all right because i know we got to wrap up because you've got to run um daryl what's the best way to keep because i know you've got it you're working on a course and you're working on some really awesome stuff that you're going to yeah. put some focus on next year so i want people to get into your world now and start Appreciate listening it. to the podcast uh what's the best way for them to go and just kind of link up and connect with you yeah, two ways to, the best two ways to link up is uh, to follow the mindshiftpodcast.com. You can uh, listen to episodes there. We're interviewing great entrepreneurs like you, Matt, uh, really just picking the brains and minds of what it takes to start a business, go from inspiration to realization, and when life knocks us down, how to go from breakdown to breakthrough. Uh, some great entrepreneurial stories there, really just picking apart the DNA of what it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. And then you can follow me anywhere on social uh, at Mr. Daryl Evans on most platforms. And my main website is DarylEvans.net. Love it. And uh, just a quick compliment for you. That was one of my favorite interviews. We had an awesome time when I was on your podcast and you picking my brain about the business journey and stuff like that. So I, I knew, I knew this is good. This conversation would be fun, but for anyone that's listening, if you enjoyed just this interaction, um, yeah, go check out my episode of, uh, of Daryl's podcast as well. So as always really, really appreciate you doing this and, uh, and just love hanging out and chatting. Same here, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.